0: The guy that they thought would hopefully stamp out this movement is now its chief spokesman. Welcome to the Walk in Truth Minisode, A Step Closer, where Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics and questions about life from a Christian perspective. You'll also get a chance to get to know the team. Now, let's get into today's topic. Well, hey, listening family, this is Pastor Michael Lance. We're here with Joe Kelly. We're doing a Minisode on A Step Closer, which is a another layer of the ministry of Walk in Truth. And we've been talking about the resurrection, Joe, and it's really exciting to talk about the resurrection all year long. We, are, we believe in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ as the capstone, as it's been put in the Arch of Christianity. And uh, without it, Christianity falls, but with it is such power, such great hope, And so much to talk about in terms of the evidence for the resurrection. We've been digging some of that out, and I really appreciate your insights into the history and so forth. We've been talking—we began to talk about 1 Corinthians 15 and how significant it is and how it lays out the multiple uh, appearances of the the resurrected Christ um, after the events of the crucifixion, of course— and who he appeared to. But let's let's talk about a little bit of the origin of 1 Corinthians 15. So I know scholars have dated this very early. What would you say about the date of this passage? And then what does that mean to someone who's just maybe never even heard about how early this is and what that means?
1: So let, let me uh, say this initially. <clears throat> we talked about multiple attestation. So when we think about how it is we know anything about history, we need testimony. We can't know anything about history if we don't have a record. And so when we think about testimony, uh, historians say that there are uh, uh, some testimonies better than others, obviously. And so testimony that is closer to the actual events, i.e. eyewitness testimony, is better than not eyewitness testimony. And then... How soon after the events was it written? Because we know that eyewitness testimony can uh, diminish over time. Sure, People's memories can be influenced. Yes. They can uh, embellish their own memories and things like that. Let me
0: just jump in with a a modern thought. So, Mm -hmm. And some of us like to watch court shows, et cetera. So if you had someone who went to the witness stand 20 years after they were an eyewitness of an event, the jury would look at that and say, well, this is— This is still important, but it's 20 years removed, as opposed to 1 Corinthians 15, which is probably how close to the events, would you say?
1: Most New Testament scholars would date uh, 1 Corinthians uh, probably in the mid-50s. Right. So now we're talking 20, 23 years after the crucifixion. Paul probably visited uh, Corinth— around 50, 49, yeah. 50, I think. So he's writing to them, obviously, after his visit. And so he's, he's giving this, he's reminding them here right. in 1 Corinthians 15. And then he goes on in the chapter about the resurrection. Uh, we, get a, we, we glean a lot of information out of the chapter about our future glory. But uh, So here, Paul, here, here's the way New Testament scholars uh, describe it. They say that Paul here, when he says, he says, I delivered to you, he's telling the Corinthians, I delivered to you as of first importance, Right. The, the very primary thing, that what I received. What did Paul receive? Well, after Paul's conversion, Acts chapter 9, he ends up going to Jerusalem. We talked about James on the last episode. James and Peter were in Jerusalem. Right. So we can put Paul in Jerusalem in the 30s. Yes. Maybe the mid 30s, maybe 37, 38. So he's been he's been converted, he goes to Jerusalem, his message is confirmed on what is most important. Yes. This is the message that he taught to the Corinthians on his missionary journey. Now he's reminding them what he got directly from Peter and or James. He says I give to you what I received. What is it? That Christ died. Yes. That there's uh, there's testimony there. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 at one time, most of whom are still alive. That's an obvious allusion to yes. go question them if you so, doubt me go question them so
0: joe what you just read was 1st corinthians 15 3 through 5 yes and you're appealing to what some would call um early tradition or something that may have been orally shared prior to the writing of 1st corinthians 15 in fact i've heard scholars yeah. say they would date this section or this tradition if you will and i'll put quotes around tradition uh, within three to five years of the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ. That's how early I've heard At it could latest, be. At the latest, they would date it. And here, here's
1: why that's so amazing. So in the original lang- language, it reads with a cadence that makes it easily uh, memorized. So you're talking about an oral culture. You're talking about a culture – who pass on family tradition family story testimony orally so oral oral transmission is very important here you have this uh this little creed yes it's been referred to as a creed yes because it's easily repeated you could imagine them as they gathered uh on the first day of the week to remember and break bread and fellowship and pray. You could re- imagine them repeating this as a creed. Yes. Christ died according to the Scriptures. He was buried and raised according to the Scriptures. He appeared according to the Scriptures. So we have this creed dated, like you said, within three to five years. What does that do? That eliminates the the uh, what the liberal scholars used to claim, which was, an embellishment, right? Mythology, yes. Legend. You need time for these things to to happen, and if you can put this creed in the 30s, we're talking about unbelievably clear evidence yes. for the resurrection of Jesus Christ.
0: And the man that is communicating what he yes. re- received and delivered was a hater.
1: Which is another line of evidence.
0: <laughs> another line of evidence now. Uh, we talk about James, who is obviously a skeptic and an unbeliever, gets converted, believes in the risen Christ, even though he's half-brother, etc. We've already touched on that. Now you have Saul. And I, I heard Gary Habermas say that James and Saul drive skeptics crazy because right. now here's an enemy of the Christian faith. In fact, he's getting letters from the high priest, chief priest to uh, destroy the Christian church. He's there when Stephen is martyred right before, you know, his own uh, yep. meeting of Christ in Acts chapter 9. He's uh, a man that is about as adverse and opposite. And I mean, he's an enemy of everything that's related to Christ in the gospel. And now he is the chief spokesman of it. So it's not only the, the power of the earliness of this. It's the power of the guy that is writing it. His own conversion story is amazing.
1: There is no explanation outside of the experience he had on the the road to Damascus. He had an encounter that transformed his life. Yes. There is no other explanation because he was willing to endure all sorts of adversity for the gospel message, the same message he was out to destroy, yes. he left a place of privilege yes. and honor and prestige to go and promote this message that he hated. Yes, It doesn't make any sense, Pastor Michael.
0: And this is why he's perplexing to modern liberal scholarship. Absolutely. But he was also perplexing to religious leaders who were his uh, counterparts I or... Sure those who served alongside him, now the guy that they thought would hopefully stamp out this, you know, whatever they would call it, this movement is now its chief spokesman. And multiple times, Joe, in the book of Acts, as you know, he shares the testimony with some slight variations or adding some nuances of it. But it's amazing to me that he stands before governors and kings and repeats this on multiple occasions, saying this is what happened. This is why I preach the resurrection. I met the resurrected Christ. I preach the resurrection as the hope of Israel, the hope of all mankind. Thanks for listening to A Step Closer. Let us know your thoughts on today's topic. You can email us at contact at walkintruth.com. You can also let us know a topic or question you'd like us to answer and discuss. Again, email us at contact at walkintruth.com.